everybody. Welcome to Cloud Bar. I hope you're doing all right out there. As you can see, my fringe is uh, growing out rather badly. Um, I'm a freelance journalist and broadcaster, and I'm hosting today's conversation with three leading lights from the UK music industry, specifically the electronic one. And it's called Live Music from a Distance. On the Twitch chat today, we've got Steve Brains, manager of Maya Jane Coles from Tap Management. Hello, Steve. Are you there? I am indeed. Hey, there he is. Oh. Uh, we've got the creative director of AVA Festival, Sarah McBriar. Hey, Sarah. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, good, yeah. And finally, last but not least, dialing in from Tulum in Mexico is Dolan Bergen of music and events company, Promotion Events. Hey, Dolan. Hello, how's it going? How, how is lockdown in Tulum going? um yeah it's pretty good yeah it's, it's different from uh different from home from what i hear um we did have uh, a sort of an official two-month lockdown so the um roadblocks are put up in and out of town the beaches all shut off but we don't have a um a curfew really we were allowed out in the day uh, some restaurants are open for takeaway and um uh so there's a little bit more freedom to move around so if you want to go out and exercise and go for a ride on your bike, then uh, that's all good. But um, yeah, a curfew at night, uh, that's the only thing to mention. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're not just like relaxing on the beach with a martini in hand, which is what I imagine. Well, there, was, <laughs> there was a period when that was happening because we were about a month behind, I think, or maybe three weeks oh. behind Europe. So there was a point where I mm. thought this it wasn't going to hit Mexico. We were going to uh, get away with it. But, um, but I, it was just a matter of um, distance, I think. It was, it's sort of geographically, it was the Latin America's the last last part to have um, gotcha. witnessed. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, thanks for joining us. So we're going to be talking about how the live music industry is responding to the fact that, well, as we all kind of know, we can't really go to anything right now. We can't get in the rave. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to cover how you as a creator, if you're watching as an artist, can navigate the when, where, how of getting discovered by a promoter or by a management team to help get you to the next phase. So if you've got questions, pop them in the chat and at the end we'll, we'll sort of race through as many as we can. And there is a slight delay on this chat. So this is definitely, this is my first live Q&A that I've ever done. So just kind of bear with us and uh, yeah, I hope you all get something out of it. So. I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of your jobs are about being curators and tastemakers in the electronic music world. So I first wanted to ask you about that, really. Um, Steve, can we start with you? Can you take us back to where you started and when you started working with emerging artists? Well, I, I started as a podium dancer in Ibiza 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> randomly. And then somebody said, oh, who, do, you want, do you want to run this kiss night for me? And uh, I was like, yeah, go on. I'm dressed as a lion in front of 10,000 people right now. This seems like a step up. Um, and yeah, it was for my, it, like, it was a different night. So yeah, I went and did that and then um, worked for ministry and then got in, like, got into management where I guess that's where I started working with emerging artists more. I'd done like some kind of showcase events for different brands and stuff in the Northeast. Um, I've always kind of liked new music. I've kind of, I got an ego, so I kind of like the bragging rights thing of being like, oh, have you seen this yet? Um, so it panders to that. 
Um, and yeah, went worked for a company called Crown, and then set up my own company with um, a really talented woman called Sophia Kearney, and that's called The Weird and the Wonderful, which is part of tap management. Um, and also run a club night series called He She There, which is also um, now a record label as well, which we just signed Louisa to, so that her album is coming out later on in the year. And um, we've got a few more things in the pipeline there. So um, I kind of attack it from different angles because I get some people from management inquiries. I get some people want to play the club nights because currently, well, we were in 12 different countries before Corona came and we had a South America tour and different things. So we get different people want to play the night and now we get people for the label. So there's three kind of different lines of attack as well as people like lawyers or agents and things saying, do you want to work with my band? And um, yeah, so like lots of, lots, lots of different things. Sorry, I'm waffling. Tell you're, me to show you're, you're an octopi of the electronic music world, Steve. I am an octopi. An octopus. Um, Dylan, what about you? I mean, can you just give us a quick outline of what you do and how that kind of relates to working with emerging artists? What's your kind of role in the development of an artist's career? Well, um, I, I guess, as I say, it's the same as what um, Steve was saying, it's quite hard sometimes to kind of um, put a title on what you do because you, you do can do so many things from sort of uh, arranging events to, to booking them. And uh, um, really, you know, uh, part of a successful event is, is the music program. And um, it needs to be careful consideration because you obviously want the event to be a success. People need to be interested in buy tickets um, the aim is to sell out so the um, process of, of, of booking talent if you always go after uh, what what is already in the, in the public domain so a successful um, act you, you need to balance it with emerging and, and new talent and also I feel people think you've put more effort in if, if you um, are supporting new talent and uh, trying to be creative and uh, present something that's a little bit different from what's on offer everywhere else. So, uh, yeah, it's just basically, you know, following that process. And um, I guess we'll come on to it later. There's a lot of research that um, perhaps for some comes naturally, because if you're interested in music, you want to uh, discover new music. And, uh, and then that process now is so wide and varied, whereas perhaps once upon a time it would involve going to a record shop. Now you have like an infinite amount of um, resources. So it's, you know, um, as I'm sure everyone here, you know, from online to, to talking to people, it's a, uh, it's a long process. But if done correctly, you can put together a, a well-balanced program, which hopefully people will be excited to come to. And obviously, you know, um, with AVA, you have a whole kind of emerging talent program, is that right? So that's kind of one way, I'm guessing, that you're sort of, um, that's kind of one of your roles in the development of an artist career. And that's also one way of just really easy way of finding great new talent, right? Yeah, so we um, we started now, this, this would have been our sixth year of the festival, um, obviously for obvious reasons that's been postponed, but um, we, yeah, we started off very locally um, in Belfast. Um, we started off as a one day festival and conference. And as part of that, what's stay core to like what we are is supporting emerging talent um, and making sure you support local as well. Um, and then 
through the conference, which again was part of what we do, part of our DNA at the very beginning, we would have asked the top acts like from local to international to host keynotes, talks, workshops. Um, so we played like a big role in developing a lot of talent. Um, and then we also brought over Boiler Room to Ireland for the first time. So um, they're now our partner. They've been with us for six years. But yeah, key to that as well was for us to be able to program really amazing emerging talent on on that kind of platform and be able to expose it to a lot more people and we've actually seen a lot of the acts that we've been championing and supporting blow up because of it i mean i think orla is a really good example um a dairy girl um i just realized that's like dairy girls um but yeah she's a dairy girl and uh she's she did an incredible boiler room i'm not sure if you've seen it but um she had a, a funny character from Belfast feature alongside her, which kind of became a bit of a meme and a, a, a momentum online. But that really exploded her career at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, there's a there's a good group of us that keep our ear to the ground and really dig out who we think are the best um, emerging talent that we want to platform. Um, and then through the festival um, and through a lot of the work that we do um, with broadcast and other partners in also like SoundCloud who we work with in London, we try and elevate a lot of that talent as well. Um, and then yes, the, the actual program that we do, the Emerging Talent Program, that's very much aimed at bedroom like DJs and producers that have never been signed or released before. So it's an opportunity for them to submit work. Um, we have a really good um, sort of team that go through it and and then you get signed if you're picked um, or get an opportunity to to play on one of the shows so yeah it's a pretty good opportunity for like the very emerging and the, the talent is like amazing actually so like a lot of what we're getting sent in is really really good and is that is that still open have you noticed um since you know all of this yeah. has kicked off more people applying to that to that um, emerging talent scheme? Yeah, so it's something we always do before the festival. Um, it's something we've been doing for years, but we decided to keep it open because we knew like during lockdown, if anything, this is the best time for you to be making music and like getting creative because you know, you're confined to your house. So yeah, we made a decision to keep it going regardless and um, We've got stuff planned, obviously, down the line. Um, and then when we can give people an opportunity, then we will. But, yeah, it's still open and it's going to be closing at the end of May when the festival is meant to be. Have, have you noticed, um, I mean, you know, festivals and, and parties and labels, you know, it's it, they're not just sort of one-off events. They're brands. I mean, you know, the, uh, stuff that kind of continues across the whole year and things that you've got to build and work on for all that time. I mean, how are you all individually responding to what's going on in the live music industry? Are you thinking about things like AVA, uh, AVA's uh, Emerging Talent Scheme and, and other ways to engage your audiences? Steve, do you want to start? Um thank you for the, for letting me start that one um <laughs> it's it, it's it's difficult i feel like it's been a bit of a roller coaster kind of emotions at the moment i think 
it's just for us. I just, I guess, because he see the on the event side has been like kiboshed essentially. That we're just focusing on music creation um, with people and looking for demos and signing them, and like also a lot of things like we've been because we're all about like communities as well, like but in a very earnest way that we've been directing people to different sources that can help them. So like if people are homeless, um, put them to LGBT outside and signpost them that way or where they can get help or like just kind of, yeah, just different th- things like that, which charities can you can support. We had a little thing called Lockdown Looks as well for some of the amazing people from our community, like the looks that they've been able to manage to do um, at home were fantastic and stuff. So it's just, yeah, just trying to, at, at first, I think the first week I was really downhearted and was a bit doom and gloom about everything and then um, kind of rebounded back and, and like, I, I forget um, which of the guests said, but just because a lot of artists who were on touring cycles aren't on touring cycles, you've been able to get really good featured, like features for music for our different producers and stuff. So I think, I think there'll be some amazing music come out of it, hopefully. Oh, that's, that, yeah, that's the hope. But we've, it's been nice we've been able to nurture things because, because we've got more time, I guess. So you've not been tempted to do a he, she, they live stream? Well. A party? We haven't, just because I do think that some of them are, um, some of them are a bit crap, (laughs) in a nice way. But like, um, I, I think some people do it really well. And I do kind of believe in the thing of don't just put out something to put out something. If you wouldn't have put it out outside of the corona quarantine don't necessarily do that thing now i still think the bar is high so the one thing that we are potentially going to do and there's a few like hoops to jump through is maybe do one during pride month where obviously all the prides are cancelled but for us pride wasn't a party it's actually a political like protest mm. it's, it's really important to me as a queer guy so I think something like that we might do and we can involve different people from different parts of the world and try and do something cool and diverse. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see if that comes together. There's no... But hopefully well. Anyway, stop. Stop talking. Do you, do, has, have you seen any good uh, live streams stolen? What have, you, what have you been keeping tabs on? What, what are some exciting things that you've caught wind of? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think like Steve mentioned there there is just so much noise out there at the moment and uh you tend to switch off a little bit but then every now and then um one catches your attention uh I actually I watched one last night Boyder and um Henry Wu and Wabiza uh, they're in Morocco I think and um that that was pretty uh, nice like nice music and it was quite impromptu uh it didn't seem too forced um and I have a friend that works at um Glitterbox, who sent me the uh, the virtual festivals they've been doing. I saw the uh, artwork one, which I thought was pretty cool because they made some effort with the um, visuals and um, the music. Obviously, was um, the, the main attraction. But um, yeah, you know, through their network, they've managed to pull together a pretty eclectic lineup of people from all over the world and um, and making an effort because the production's um, to a high standard. So 
I think like Steve, Steve mentioned, you know, like you, if you're going to do it, I think you, you know, do it properly. There's, there seems to be a rush of mm. people running towards this one idea and it's like, it, it's supposed to be creative industry. So perhaps there is a lot of activity going on that we're not seeing, you know, because ultimately it's an industry that's driven by music. So you would hope there's people at home that are spending the time producing music and coming up with something that we might hear later this year or next year. But um, if the sole purpose is just to stream, that's um, you would hope that there is uh, another strand to that. To that by, um, but yeah, I'd say the uh, defected um, artwork video I thought was particularly good. And um, the Henry Wu and Wabiza and Boydering, I quite enjoyed watching that yesterday. Sarah, I heard that, a, that, a, that, a, that, a, that for me. Sorry. That's okay. Good to know. We're on the same page. <laughs> uh, we don't want to see another um, DJ stream with a sort of, you know, laundry basket in the back or somebody's laundry hanging up. Well, Sarah, have you seen anything that you would like to shout out? Have you seen anything exciting or some, or maybe a live stream where you thought, okay, that might feed into the conference next year or into the festival, or maybe we can work with yeah. that. Yeah, I think I think there's there's I agree with the point about the quality. I think that's really important. Um, we're working on some projects that if we, yeah, the quality side of it's really important. And um, I liked I liked the second club quarantine that um, RA did because you could kind of go in. There was like backstage there was toilets like they created like it was like you're in a club and you could go into the different rooms and i thought that was cool um and they had the visual element as well and the way it was programmed you could tune in tune out it felt very much like it was a lineup so that was cool um and then from a conferencing standpoint uh i'm kind of seeing exciting opportunities with this as well you know for example we bring in maybe 60 speakers to come and take part in a whole day of workshops, talks, Q and A's and everything. Obviously you've limited budgets and what you're able to do and doing something online, you can call in someone who's in Mexico, for example, Dolan, you know, and you can call in someone who's in Berlin and, you know, you can have lots of people in different um, parts of the world taking part in a conversation. So that's really exciting. And definitely for me, AVA, is as much about the music as it is about the visual aspect, like AV and visual artists are a key part of what we do. And for me, there's a lot of Japanese artists that I'd love to be starting to work with. And, you know, what could be the potential of that now that we can connect with people in different parts of the world for this, during this period. So I think, um, I think the quality and, and, and having your own vibe and your own style to it um, and bringing Bring in an element that connects with your audience. I mean, our festival was meant to be in two weeks' time, so we're kind of having big discussions about about that weekend at the minute. And I think being mindful of what your capabilities are, because like all of us, this is pretty new. <laughs> we're used to running events, you know. We're used to um, dancing and being in fields and clubs and venues and stuff. So it's it's all pretty new to us. But um, I think we've just got to kind of embrace some of the opportunities as well. It's interesting what you said about having um, people dial in from different countries because, I mean, will we get so used to having these kind of interfaces that we're seeing now that it won't be weird at all if at a festival you go into a tent and you're just sort of watching, you know, someone patching yeah. in from, I don't know, anywhere. 
on a screen and we're watching you know maybe do you think that this could translate into the live arena where you will walk into a festival tent and you will you'll be watching this on a big screen will, will we just become so accustomed to it Donan what do you think I was just thinking actually because sometimes you see a sort of talk show or an awards ceremony where um you know some uber a-list celebrity is you know not able to make uh, the award ceremony to pick up, you know, their 100th award for the year. So they kind of send a pre-recorded video. And uh, I don't know, it always feels a bit lame, doesn't it? It's sort of like this 20-second soundbite and uh, the screen pops up and, 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 and then they appear. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, if this situation continues, you have to work with um, what you have and make the best of it. But uh, it's, I don't know, for me personally, it, it, even like doing this right now, it's sort of um, if you're able to meet everyone beforehand, have a a coffee mm. you know just catch up and it helps you relax a little bit but um it's i don't know it's, it's you feel so separated and um uh certainly from i think we were talking about it before you know before lockdown there was a general narrative that it was uh healthy to s try and limit the amount of time you spend on your computer you know you get away from social media and now it's like you're not being forced but you're almost encouraged to spend more and more time on your computer and um interact with people online so how, how that works when we when we get out into the real world i think maybe we'll find that there is some negative aspects to that that we didn't uh, foresee because maybe maybe we don't want to go out there and start interacting personally again maybe it feels uncomfortable maybe we're more used to it than we realize that's interesting and slightly worrying. I hope that we don't yeah. lose that desire to be rubbing up sweatily against somebody in a club. Can, can, any, can anybody pitch in with some ideas? I'm really interested in this idea of like, let's just, let's just you know, pretend that everything's gonna be the same next year. Live music industry will somehow magically be back to normal. Um, events will be going on as planned and there may be a lot less festivals, but festivals will still, you know, will be everything just somehow, right? What what other kind of knock-on effects can we see from this year for, for that scenario? Like in terms of, are there any other things that you think have been interesting or things that you think might might change the live music experience? Maybe Maybe virtual reality or AI, perhaps? Who's that for? Can I that's, I was throwing that I, one out to everyone, but Steve, uh, you go. No, I was just going to make a, a point on kind of the last question as well. But I guess with live music, we're so used to things being in a physical space. But actually, there's a load of things, especially in sport, where there's always been live streaming of football matches. You, you can press the red button and go and sit, flick between different football matches and stuff like that. It doesn't stop people also wanting to have the live experience of being in a football stadium. Mm -hmm. But we we do go to bars, we do stay at home, we, we people listen to it on the radio. Same with things like boxing, wrestling pay-per-views. Even um, you've had things like um, in theatre and stuff now that you can have pay-per-view things where you go and yeah. see plays in theatre, which you wouldn't be able to see normally. So I actually think even prior to Corona happening, you started seeing people go, well, why can't we use the sport model into theatre? Because theatre is so limited to how many people mm -hmm. can kind of see it in one go that why why can't you go and do it? It helps stimulate 
the want to go to see it and experience it live. Um, and I don't think that as much as like AI and VR are really interesting because especially for certain groups, like for instance, people with limited abilities, like kind of ableness, there's lots of spaces that aren't designed for people that have disability. So sometimes, or say you, you live in the Shetland Islands and it's a geographical thing, the VR and AI can be really amazing lifelines to get people into experience. I think that there is something about being in a live space though that is really important just as kind of humans on a community level to feel linked. It was really important for queer community to have spaces as well. Um, just also, and it, it may be slightly different because of apps and things, but it used to be like, you live in a world if you're gay where you don't know what people's sexualities are. So you'd, you'd use nightclubs to go find partners and have a fun and have solidarity and things. So like that you can't, as I say, you can have Tinder or you can have Grindr or you can have whatever, but there's certain things about just, just live that bumping into people or like having situations or having that talk in a toilet queue or whatever that, it's like such a rich tapestry, like a night out. It's not literally not just about the music. Sometimes it's totally about the music, but I've been to festivals sometimes where you planned on seeing these three acts, you end up seeing those 20 acts instead, or you end up just spending half the festival in a tent because it just ends up being like one of those random ones where friends come. So I think that even though you'll have different, maybe ways to reach people now, it never replaces humanity. It's, yeah, I, I agree. Oh, sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think, you know, creating a festival, um, a club night, going to a venue, like, it's creating a space where people can be completely themselves and, like, enjoy and live in the moment. Like, that's one of the main reasons why people want to go to these things. So, um. Yeah, I think that that's never going to go. And it, it, personally, I would say that people are going to be dying for that and dying to get back to that after not having it for so long. But one thing I would say, um, a great, one of my favourite festivals, it's a little festival in the southern tip of Ireland in Dingle, a little um, fisherman's village. And um, it's run by a friend of mine and she basically broadcast from this tiny little church in the middle of the town to 16 pubs um, and there's 13,000 people that come to this tiny little town for like four days across um, across four days in a night and um, and you basically just hop between the pubs and um, drinking loads of Guinness obviously and um, having a really crack but um, it's all just broadcasted from one site into the various different venues so in a way, they've kind of already embraced that live stream element. And I remember when I first, before going, because I was asked to be part of the festival a couple of years ago, and before going, I couldn't get my head around how this could work. Um, like, how can you go to a festival and essentially watch it streamed in a pub? Um, which is similar to what you just said, Steve, like watching football. But I, I had I had the most incredible weekend because it was actually all the conversations I was having these pubs and all the people I was meeting. And, you know, you went from one pub to the next, to the next. Um, 
And to be honest, I probably didn't watch a huge amount of the music, but the atmosphere and like the connection and the moments were there. And then I managed to get into the the church for one of the the live gigs. I think it was actually Mount Kimby was playing live. And so you're in this tiny, like three, 400 people only in there. Um, and it was very controlled and very like, you know, you're very much in this musical experience. And then when you went out there, it was all the rowdiness and all the connection of everyone in the pub. So it was it was really different, but they've been doing that for years and it works really, really well. That is such a great idea. I love that. I yeah, absolutely amazing. love that. That is great. I just, I just wanted to go back to um, Stephen's previous point about, about clubs. Well, in fact, both of your previous points about clubs providing spaces for marginalised communities. And I wondered whether you thought that actually on the flip side, um, virtual safe spaces are creating something, you know, that it's like the ultimate safe space. If it's a virtual space that everybody is getting involved in, um, like club quarantine has been so popular. Could, could actually what's going on right now in some ways, I don't know, be, could there be a positive that comes out of this? I, I, I think so. I think that there's definitely an air, uh... Of of safety for, to, because all other kind of external threats are removed, so there's a plus in that. But like, I think like for for instance, if it's like like you can be kind of in your your bedroom knowing that you're like queer, or, and maybe you can read about different people, or you can you can speak to someone in a chat room, but it's not the same as meeting up with everyone and just feeling that, like, humans are social beasts. Do you know what I mean? Where we come from primates, we're used to being in groups. And there is something about looking around and seeing people in real life in a kind of way that you can hug people, be tactile, talk, like, that I don't think can be replaced. It can be but not replaced. So I don't, I don't think that one thing knocks out the other one. I think they complement each other, um, but yeah, I don't. I for, for me personally, I think I'm like quite gregarious. Um, so as as much as it would help, I I don't think it replaces. If that makes sense. Sorry, I just dropped my laptop. <laughs> it's okay. It's all part of the live energy, you know. Brilliant when something when somebody drops something or something falls on someone on someone you know um, it's all part of the excitement. I mean one one thing that um, I've, I guess is quite an obvious trend in what's been happening is that you know we mentioned that loads of people are doing DJ streams, but artists are sort of taking control of their own sort of you know narratives in a way with this whole situation so whether that's you know doing dj live streams i've seen lots of um, artists host q and a's um people are being quite inventive in terms of formats i mean dolan does have you have you kind of noticed this do you think this is um an interesting development in terms of um in terms of you know different ways for artists to break through 
Well, I, I mean, it is because people are making the best of their situation right now. But I think it adds even more pressure to someone to kind of like self-PR. And, um, you know, like uh, going back to sort of Stephen's point, you know, the whole uh, like if you have an, um, an app, like a dating app, for example, like the goal is to um, is to, you know, you might meet in, in uh, online, but the goal is to meet up in person. And that's really sort of like the whole club culture is about getting people together. And um, originally, you know, a DJ or performer was really not the main focal point of an event. And over time, they've become the focal point. And, uh, you know, so they have to become not only a producer who may not want to perform, but they have to perform because you've got to be on a stage. You've got to have a big shining light on you. And, and then not only that, you now have to uh, learn to PR yourself on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, every, you know, uh, every known media outlet. And, and actually, I think uh, it's great that people are reaching out and, and I think they should do that during these times. But um, there is quite a lot of expectation for what someone has to deliver now. And, um, you know, some producers, uh, like Stephen was saying again, like, uh, maybe, you know, marginalized communities, people that uh, enjoy making music in, in, in dark, you know, behind a laptop in, in a room, you know, doesn't always come naturally to, to be out there and um, presenting themselves. So I think it's great, but maybe people need need some help with that in, in the long run. And, um, uh, and also, as we've seen recently, it can be quite detrimental as well. So um, people say the wrong things. They're at home. They don't know. There's not someone to help them. Uh, and even, you know, very well-known figures have fallen foul of that recently. So it's a positive, but I think there's some, some things to be wary of as well. What about you, Steve? I mean, you manage lots and lots of artists. Are you seeing this as a kind of, you know, opportunity for them to build fan base or to um, strengthen that connection with their fans? It, it all depends on the particular person. Because as a... There are some management firms that are very kind of top down and we're much more, oh, well, what do you want to do as an artist? And that'll try and underpin that and make it happen. Because um, nearly all the, the DJs that we manage are also producers and it's kind of their music makers and their means of performance. And sadly, often monetization has to be through DJing. So with a, with a lot of them, like the, we have some that are kind of, you know, they're, they're music makers, they're not trying to be stars, as it were. So it's really uncomfortable to be like, right, I know that you fight for your privacy all the time. So now make a TikTok dance video, or let's go in like, I know that you've never played a computer game for five years, but no offense, go and go on Twitch and start talking about Call of Duty or whatever. It's like, if one of my artists was a massive Call of Duty fan who used Twitch anyway, great, let's amplify that. If they're like making funny videos or making cooking videos, right, let's go enhance that and put that part of your personality. So like Louisa, for instance, loves doing things like live streams, Q and A's. She's she's very social and use like make like post a lot of memes and stuff. So this is great for her. But then you've got other artists, say like Maya, who's that's not really what she's about. So she's like right head down in studio. Let's make some amazing music in there. Like Louisa makes music too, but like just in terms of Maya's like, you know, I'll do something if I think that 
it's comfortable and it feels really organic. I I think yeah. you can just as well like humans humans can tell if something's forced and it never resonates well. So it's just about accentuating who people are and what they do. So that, so I think that's a practical point for anyone at home. Like if you you're really not a TikTok person, you don't have to use TikTok. Like if you're more comfortable with doing Twitch then do Twitch if you're more comfortable with like just right I'm just going to post memes like Fat Tony or or actually do you know what I just want to break for a minute the music industry is still going to be here in however long like come back it's like you have examples like Burial and things where their kind of USP was almost like but was like oh, I don't really want to partake in this so I'll, I'll retract so but is it possible to be burial in 2020? I don't know. I mean, what, so what I'm getting a yeah. sense of, it, of that it, is it, that it, there's... It, 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 oh. it is possible because the, the important thing is when we all sit down in, with an artist, it's like, what's success to you? What does success look like? And for, for say, a burial, it'd probably be like, I want to make the music that I want to make and reach an audience. Now... Everything has a pros and cons, like maybe Beryl would want to reach 100 million people or whatever and have like crazy, everything be a platinum platinum um, album. But if they don't want to do the other bit, I think you've got some really well-documented examples of people that success wasn't what everyone else around them tried to make it to be and they got very, very unhappy. So like, wow. there's nothing worse than living in a career that you don't really want to live in because someone else's barometer of success is that you're famous and and like you're plastered everywhere so well look we've, we've everything got Stephen, is we've, we've, medium. we've got we've got about we've got about 10 minutes left and, I, and okay. I want to throw a question out to all of you before we take some questions from the twitch community who've been watching um i just what i'm getting the sense of right so let's just say your music is you know as good as burial you could be the best you know artist ever let's just take it as a given that your your music is amazing but there's so much going on we're living in an, in an unprecedented time you can't go and um check out new talent down in the club um things aren't quite like how they use discoverability is different there's loads of streams going on all the time there's information everywhere how can somebody cut through that Sarah, can we start with you? What is your top tip to somebody to cut through the noise right now? I think that's a very hard question because I think there's a lot of noise, if I'm being really honest. Um, that's an honest answer. And um, I think if I'm also being honest, we're entering a new phase as promoters and curators and festival organizers where we're trying to figure it out as well um i think that what steve said for me makes most sense because i see this time as a really quite unique opportunity for people to dig in creatively into something maybe that they don't necessarily have time or the space to create and do. I'm doing that personally as well. I'm spending time on some some projects and some creative stuff that I would never have time usually to explore and look at. So I think um I think rather than going straight to try and cut through 
maybe spend a bit more time on the craft when you've got this opportunity and and then yes i think connecting with your audience is through good collaborations playlists associations finding where you're next of kin if you get me like where do you fit where do you best associate with like what music do you love to listen to and I also think what's interesting about this moment in time is people have more time. So if you reach out to someone who maybe would never read your email or maybe would never consider talking because they're so busy touring or they're so busy putting a festival on or whatever, quite quite uniquely right now is people have a little bit more time on their hands and they might be able to pick up and reply to something. So I would probably look at it more top line of like where you would really like to associate and be and then try and go in that way great Dolan you look like you wanted to add something um yeah I was just going to say what Sarah said was um uh well I'd agree with what Sarah said but I think you know um maybe it's you know the question is, is that um if if it, all the music was as a standard of burials which is obviously not what you have in the world right now I and mean, i think personally maybe you should forget about the noise and concentrate on making the music because there, there really is uh not that much high quality creative you know different uh something that's groundbreaking you know like it, it, obviously not everyone can create that but if that's your goal you know why not focus on that and then when you have a product uh, or, or a record that you're really happy with then go through the process of contacting people and like sarah mentioned you know like why put all of that effort into um trying to create an audience online when you can work with people that can help you with that so if you've got some amazing music that you're happy with like send an email you know don't um just hit someone up in the comment section on facebook do some research reach out to labels that are relevant don't spam a thousand labels speak to people that release uh, music that's similar to to what you're working on and then Oh, I'm back. I don't... Sorry, got cut off uh, there. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, passion speech, and it was like, no, yeah. right, off we go again. Do you want to say what you said? You were saying again. You said, yeah. Yeah, I was basically just saying that um, I think uh, it's good to focus on the music, uh, and uh, if you have something that's special, find a label that, that is relevant to the, to that style of music, and and try and build a relationship because there is time at the moment. People are reading emails. Uh, and if they if they love the music, then they'll help you find an audience. So I, you know, maybe just don't take it all on yourself because it is a lot to consider. Make music, set up an online uh, social platform, build an audience. You know, uh, concentrate on the music and and try and work with some people that will help you find that audience. Thank you, Dolan. I've got one last question from uh, that somebody called Robbie McCammon has been sending some really great questions in. And I know you've just said concentrate on the music, but maybe I'll give this last one to Steve before we wrap up. And that is, what can aspiring DJs do to really up their brand and be ready to hit the ground running when the club scene is more active after lockdown? Great question. Better than any okay. of mine. 
um, I, th I think a making really good mixes is really important. I think you can also make really interesting bootlegs as well, like mm. to 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 win to win fans and different things like like everybody has an ego. So if you want to try and get booked for a particular club night or whatever, go and see say he see the uh, we have Ellen Allian play, Maya play, um, Miss Kitten and people like that play. So maybe if you want to try and play VG there, probably do a mix that sounds a bit like the different people that we program because you're more likely to connect with me. Um, and we do try and listen to the mixes and things that come in. Um, I think if you want to get more eyes on you, you can do things as well as making original music, which is great. You can make bootlegs and things of other tracks that are big because then, or, you know, it's in the same way, like a lot of artists on YouTube have done covers of famous songs because you get that thing of someone searching for, for an act that they really love. And then they come across that cover or they want an acoustic version of, I mean, you sometimes get the odd surprise where you've had things synced by people because a music supervisor's typed in acoustic version of X track. And then they look to see if there's a really interesting, usually like really cool Scandinavian voiced version of that track <laughs> as an acoustic that they can put on the next uh, big like Netflix show. So it's, yeah, it's trying to kind of utilize some of the things that are there and put an interesting spin on them. And sometimes you catch the original artist's intention, um, like attention and eyes as well. Well, that is a great um, piece of advice. Thank you. So, oh, did you want to add something else? Just as well, just like, it's just interesting as well, just to go and work on your brand and the way that like things are put together as well. Like, like make sure that like, that you've like, most artists have, have kind of a bit of a look, like not to make it forced, but again, just like, like Skrillex is really identifiable. My is really identifiable. And you don't need to be like Marshmallow or Dead Mouse or something stupid stuck on your head. It, but it, even might, like, it might be it, it might be easier to buy a mask than to cut your own haircut at this time or to do yeah, a no, kind true. of you know bleach job. <laughs> but 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 just those things like how you present it as well. Like I think you can if you've got an iPhone do some really amazing things with press shots actually, like in your own house and stuff and try different things out, try and be, make an interesting collage that isn't just someone in a black t-shirt against the metal grate. Like, like, put your, <laughs> yeah, yeah put, put your own self into it. Like, or like, I love the way that Kim Ann Foxman or Jennifer Cardini are much more like, have a really chilled approach to how they look, but they look really iconic still doing what they do. So just discover Brilliant. yourself. Discover yourself. That is a fantastic place to end. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Dolan, for such an insightful yeah. chat. And thank you to everybody who's been tuning in and asking great questions. Bye.